You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Robert Smith. And folks, we have a terrific program in store for you today. Our guest today is a well-known presenter in the fair industry. His program is among the most in-demand shows out there in the fair industry today. Sea Lion Splash has been seen coast to coast at fairs of all sizes across this country. And Jimmy Earhart joins us now from his new home in Texas. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Robert. What an introduction. Thank you. Yeah, right. I'm good. We <laughs> like making our guests feel like rock stars. So you're in, you're in Texas now. Yes. I, you were previously in California. Why'd you, uh, why dip out on California? Oh, several reasons. The main reason, more centrally located. It seemed like every time I got on the West Coast, my next gig would be on the East Coast and just burning fuel and burning time. And I've been trying to get to Texas for several years and just trying to get out of California. And uh, some of the craziness that's going on there as well just helped, you know, move things along a little bit quicker. Yeah, sure. I mean, the the government and the tax structure and whatnot there can make it a real real bind on businesses. Um, but Texas, that makes sense. I mean, you're centrally located. We spoke with Jay Straits on the show. I'm not sure if you know Jay. He runs straight shows out of uh, Orlando. And they talk, you know, when you're a ride operator, it's all about mileage and routing because every one of those miles, that's cutting into your profit. So what are some of the biggest jumps you've made? Oh, geez, I've gone from one side of California to Florida. Done it for a few years, opening in Tampa and uh, starting off from home. So it's so uh, 2,200 so, miles just to start the season. So you jump, what is that, like 2,800 miles, 3,000 miles? I believe it's 2,600 from my house to Florida State Fairgrounds. That's a lot of miles. And it's not like you're driving a little SUV. I mean, you're driving some really big stuff. Um, now, I've worked uh, uh, with you at a lot of fairs across the country from, you know, the Mexico State Fair. We've been together in Fort Myers and, and a number of fairs around the uh, around the United States. Your attraction, like we're getting at here, clearly has a lot of moving parts in order to make it happen. Tell the folks at home a bit about your attraction and how you get it moved coast to coast. Oh, that's I wish I got paid more for that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pain. Uh, there's a bunch of challenges in there, uh, just traveling with live animals and uh, the human counterpart of it as well, and stopping to take care of animals and feed. And and then once you're there, setup is, uh, we're I don't know, we try and run a clean operation and pretty meticulous with uh, little details and try and make it as the best we can and uh, to try and uphold that standard, like you said, of trying to be not exactly number one, not trying to be Mr. Big Shot here or anything like that, but trying to go for that goal for sure. You know? Right. Now what, tell us about the show itself. I mean, you've got how many, you've got multiple sea lions and I'll admit before we get into all that for years, I mix up seals and sea lions. What's the difference between the two? <laughs> the quickest difference is ears. If it has external ear flaps, it's a sea lion. Uh, that's the quickest way to check the difference. Uh, second quickest would be the long flippers, big long flippers about the size of your arm is a sea lion. Short flippers about the size of your hand steel. Oh, got so it. So now are they, are they related species or? Uh, yes. They're, they're, as far as uh, comparing it to humans, they'd be cousins. Yeah. They're both pinnipeds. Got it. Okay. So now we've got the difference. Uh, and how many sea lions do you travel with? Right now we have five uh, traveling with two different units. And then we have uh, two males that stay at home and uh, we're going to use them for uh, permanent shows or that type of deal. Oh, got Try it. With them. So you have you so, five that travel. What are their names? Uh, we have Zoe, Sarah, Punky, Maya, and Kika. 
Maya and Kika. Okay. Maya and Kika. And do these, yep. do these sea lions kind of develop their own personality? Oh, big time. It's, they're amazing. Uh, their personalities are so different and so unique and just, uh, like little kids. Yeah. So uh, when you're doing the show, which one tends to be the troublemaker in the show most often and give you in, you know, try to steal most, the show from you. Most definitely the South American sea lion that we have, uh, different species. Um, biggest one we have and biggest uh troublemaker class clown her name is sarah um just henry sometimes yeah sarah i know i've watched the show several times and it seems to me that it's either sarah or zoe that when you go to have them do it do something they're like nah not happening today no i'm not in the mood for it today and i do you think do you think when you see animal shows that some people think that these animals should just always behave and they don't make, do they not connect that these are real life animals? And it's not like you don't wave a magic wand and get them to do something. They're, they're trained for that. But if they're not in the mood, they're not in the mood. Right. Well, that's the old saying, don't work with animals or kids. And I work with both. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not succeeding at, at this. So, yeah, exactly. so tell us about the show itself. What, what kind of things do you do with the show? Oh, we do all kinds of uh, natural behaviors and then also some unnatural behaviors as, as unusual as that sounds. Uh, things that are, just aren't natural for them, but are good for them as well, um, just for their mental well-being, give them a challenge mentally as well. It's also educational, entertaining. I want you to be entertained and also leave with some new knowledge about sea lions and seals and just marine mammals in general and uh, how you could help them even in Albuquerque where you're at. We've got a great biopark here. They've got a fantastic seals and sea lion exhibit where you walk, you start when you walk into it, you're under the water. And as you walk up this ramp around at the top, you can see them up on the surface. It's an, an outdoor exhibit. It's really cool how they've got it set up. Oh, um, I've never, there. well, I never have time when I'm there. Yeah, I know when you're out here for New Mexico and you know how it is. I mean, you're, you're running off one other show, you're setting up, you're, Right. You know, it's just, it's mind numbing how fast we turn some of these shows. And I, I mean, I say that with a fortune machine or, or some game exhibits that I can be broken down and off the fairground in under two hours. I mean, what is, what's your typical turnaround time for setup and then for teardown? Uh, setup is anywhere from six to eight hours, uh, depending on help and uh, teardown. I've done it in three hours, but typical is about four hours. And it also depends on what I can do with the water. If I can get rid of the water in a huge drain, I mean, you're dealing with, 22,000 gallons of water. Yeah. I was so, going to ask you how much water you've got on board. Now is your animals, do they stay in that enclosure when they're with you at your, at your compound in Texas, or no, do you have a different enclosure that they go into? Yeah. We're building uh, three pools here right now. Uh, three in-ground pools. Uh, two of them will be indoor and one of them will be outdoor um, in a 60 by 100 barn. Um so we have that, and then they'll also have a dry resting area, and uh, we'll make little beds and little slides and different little uh, activities for them to do just to keep their brains occupied as well. Right. But so uh, yeah, you, you literally, set. you build in, it's not just like you keep them in like, you know, because the pools that you, you do the performance in by sea lion standards are fairly small because it's just for that show. But when you're, yeah, when you're, when you're out there at tech, when they're at home in Texas, they need a bit more, uh, you know, stimulation. And so they need a much bigger pond to swim in. Right. Yeah. So we'll have three of them and the, they're all connected and also divisible as well. So that if we have uh, any sea lions that aren't getting along, we could separate them or if they're in heat or that type of deal. So that's uh, it creates a bunch of different challenges 
but also getting the most out of your area and making the biggest pools we can, even though they, a lot of times, especially at home, they're just sleeping. They're hit that sunbathing mode and they're in yeah. beach mode. So when you're traveling with these animals, what kind of regulations are you dealing with? I mean, it's one thing for me to get in the truck and drive my, the Ford, nobody cares. Nobody stops me unless I'm going driving too fast, but you guys, you're going through, uh, you know, way stations and whatnot. What kind of regulations do you deal with? Well, it's all the way stations, all the typical DOT, all the federal standards for that. And then also the federal for animals. So it uh, depends on the states. There's different regulations, different requirements. Um, but the federal part of it is the majority of our governing body for the trucking as well as the animals. And uh, it does challenges, but it's as long as you play by the rules, it's not that hard. You breeze straight through. Yeah. So yeah. you travel with your family all across the country with these animals, doing these shows, taking pictures, making, you know, helping educate people about sea lions. And then March of 2020 rolls along and the whole thing shuts down. Boom. Done. Take us back to that moment when you started to realize this was going to be a big deal. Oh, at the beginning, I was all for it. When they said uh, two weeks to, you know, get the hospitals prepared. I was 100% game with it. Let's do this. I'm down. I'll, we'll lose two weeks of work. No big deal. It's not a game changer. Um, then two weeks turned into long. I was here in Texas, actually. I was about 23 miles from where I'm at right now. Yeah. And uh, we got in the last day of show they were going to shut us down that was march 8th and uh then from there they said two weeks like i said i was down for that ready to go sounds fair let's do this then two weeks turned into three weeks and uh so i went home to california and uh taking care of feeding and taking care of sea lions we had two units on the road um, two families doing two units so it was uh, quite an expense and it was just you know a, a swift kick it was terrible right in the butt uh, wasn't prepared for anything like that. Um, so just started uh, trying to find other avenues to make revenue to, to pay for sea lion food and uh, do all that because they're very expensive to maintain. Um, we have a high operating cost, way higher than what most people would even imagine. Um, yeah, so it's wanted, very high just between salt, wanted, food, vets. Yeah, I wanted to that. get you on the show and for that exact reason. Um, you know, unlike the rest of us who, you know, we were talking about Kevin and Kristen with Lady Houdini, who we've got on the show. Also, you know, when they put their, they got shut down, they put their, their stuff goes in storage. My stuff goes in storage. We have minimal overhead, but your animals still need to eat. They still need veterinary care. They still need their environment maintained. Your overhead doesn't go away. How do you manage that when all of a sudden you have no revenue coming in? It was very difficult at the beginning, Robert. I'm not going to lie. I was scared to death. I said, this is just going to continue and continue. And uh, I'm going to be out of business very shortly here. I can't maintain this level of uh, just cash hemorrhage, you know, uh, just outflow cash and nothing coming in. So I uh, decided I was going to look for something to do as a trucker and start putting my trucks to work. And that's what we did. And we're still doing it right now, sending out all of the employees as drivers, basically running truckloads. Well, it makes sense. I mean, all of you have your CDLs, you've the equipment's there. It's not making any money if it's parked. That's the only way we've made revenue it's enough to feed sea lions. It's uh, and it's, it's actually been a good thing. Thank, thank God for who I'm, I don't want to say the company we've been driving for. Um, I don't know if I should or not, but anyways, <laughs> I think we can all guess them because I think we can all guess what the company is. Yeah. It's uh unbelievable save the day and actually paying the bills. Good. I mean, it's man, this 2020 to me has just been 
a surreal experience. Can you even, do you even remember the beginning of the year at this point? Like January, February, you start, you do Florida state fair or whatever, like it's normal. I don't even remember the beginning of the year. Yeah, exactly. I, I would agree with you. It's been a, been one of those years where it seems like it's been longer than a year too. Yeah. It just seems like it's dragged on and dragged on. And, uh, well, I just remember, I don't know. Hey, 15 days, 15 days to flatten the curve, 15 days to flatten the curve. And we're on, you know, what day 209 now to flatten the curve. So that, again, that was all gung ho. Let's flatten the curve. Give it two weeks. And after that, I just been, I don't know, trying to fight, keep my head above water. How were you able to perform any events this year? I, I had, I, I believe 46 booked uh, between the two units and I've worked seven that were scheduled and uh, ended up booking two more fairs. So total, we did nine shows this year, nine events, nine out of the 40 some odd that you had planned. So, if events start happening again in 2021, do you have, what's the first show you got scheduled? January 15th starting. And then from there to uh, Florida state fair and then across the state there to Stewart and Naples. Um, so we've got quite a few booked in Florida already. Yeah. Uh, just- yeah. And it looks like I heard West Palm announced they were going, they were a go. I mean, but I think, you know, you look at last year, Vero and Miami, they were within an hour of opening and they, County came in and said, you're done. Right. That's exactly. So I'm not holding my breath on anything. I'm not giving up the driving gig until, uh, until an hour before showtime. At least, you know, at this rate, um, being in Texas now, your jump is considerably shorter to get into West Palm beach than it was coming out of LA. I'm halfway there. (laughs) And that, and, and you, I know on your end, being a business guy, you, you know, exactly what the down to the dollar, what that saved you not having to jump from LA. Oh, yeah, it's probably close to two grand right there in that area. You know, in talking to other guests while we're recording this season, it's become really apparent um, that most of us entertainers, fair managers or whatnot, really important that we're keeping in touch with each other. It's a really stressful time. Are you keeping in touch with folks in the industry and, and how do they seem to be handling this? I've only kept in touch with a few people, truthfully, Robert. I don't have a whole bunch of friends that I'm on the phone with that real consistently, or I literally just keep a handful of friends and I don't know, tight knit circle. And it just seems to, I don't know, work for me, I guess you could say, but uh, I've kept in touch with several people and a few acquaintances and, uh, but just a handful of our close knit friends that we work with a lot and seem to have got along with better over the years, that type of deal. I'm not big on the social media. I kind of got rid of all that lately. Uh, put Facebook back on my phone this morning just to look for another driver. Um, I haven't had Facebook since the pandemic started to avoid the baloney that comes with some of that social media. Yeah, I hear you. It's um, it can be a real pain, man. I mean, we're, when we're recording this, we're just uh, a day or so after Thanksgiving. So it's not even been a month since the election. And it seems like it's still Facebook's just all politics all the time. Twitter is a cesspool. It's a dirty, dirty place. So I've kind of, kind of envious of you that you're like i'm out <laughs> and just I'm out I, I was getting uh mad at acquaintances and uh disagreeing with people that i don't disagree with i mean we might have different political views or but we get along in person that type of deal right. and uh so i just instead of uh being involved and in all up in everybody's personal thoughts and opinions and i just got rid of it so aside from you know how bananas this year has been for for business how are you guys doing there personally? Are you guys hanging in? You're doing okay? Yeah, personally, we're great, actually. Um, it's been a really good time just uh, 
I don't know, spend more family time. And uh, we've been practicing a lot like crazy with the sea lions, just working on new behaviors and trying to add new things. And uh, some of that's a real challenge. And it's, it's been good uh, as far as the part, that part goes. Uh, we've started a whole new pro school curriculum with the kids um, that we absolutely love. I wish I would have found this one years ago. I have yeah. uh, five. So my oldest one is 20, 18, 12, five, and two. So the 12, five and 12 and five year old just started a new curriculum. And uh, we absolutely love this new school. And it's, what, uh, can I ask what school is that? I, 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 and I asked personally, there is a, as a parent of a nine-year-old. It's, it's all a Becca um, school and it's all through them. Some people have farmed out a Becca, like I've used some of Becca stuff before, um, farmed out through different school programs and different curriculums, kind of where you can farm out your own, uh, whatever it was, for example, a spelling book, and you can get that through a Becca or whatever, and they give you options. So I've used those type of programs before and, uh, never found one like this that I really, really like. This has been an amazing, my mom found it and, uh, just absolutely in love with this new school program. So that's been really cool. Good. And how is little Jasmine doing? Nate asks about her sometimes. She is absolutely great. And, uh, like I said, we get up in the morning, take, take care of sea lions and practice. And then we come in here and do school with the kids and then go back out and practice and you know, work on new things and then come back in and might do a little more school with them. Right. That what do, what do they feel? What do they think about, you know, man, my dad owns sea lions. That's not a lot of people can say that. Right. That's, uh, well, Jasmine and, uh, Jeremy, Joe there, that's all they know. That's all they've ever known. Apollo, um, was around when we were in the circus, but he was too young. He doesn't remember all of that. So pretty much all the younger kids know, right. and, uh, elder kids still do circus. So it's, uh, my oldest boy's driving a monster truck, um, for a living. And my oldest daughter is, uh, doing a horse act and doing concessions for circuses and that type of stuff. And, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. So that's all they know. It's, uh, it's, right. it's a little bit different than your scenario, I guess you could say. Yeah, I guess. And, and join into this business where we've been doing it for you know pretty much my whole life. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to, I meant to ask you earlier, how, like, how'd you get into sea lions? I mean, you got Carl out there on the West coast with Pacific animal productions. Who's got, you know, binturongs and parrots and now she does her bug exhibit. How does one decide, you know what, I'm going to do a show with sea lions. Well, I started, we were in the circus and uh, we were having a rough time with the circus. Uh, literally, we weren't getting paid. So, uh, yeah, we'd gone several weeks without getting <laughs> paid. And uh, when that ended, we decided we weren't going to do circus anymore unless we absolutely had to. Or we had a better, more, uh, I don't know, uh, rooted circus, I guess you could call it. And uh, then uh, came across Marco Peters, who was doing sea lines, and I've known him. I uh, lived probably two miles from me in Florida, where I lived in Florida. And uh, he's been doing sea lions for 20 something years. Started working for him and then uh, wanted to do our own thing as well. So it, thanks to, it, I mean, the whole thing wasn't my idea. This is all, uh, we've changed it and evolved a little bit compared to what Marco was doing, but not much. It's, this is his vision, his idea. He started the whole sea lions on tour and uh, we've just carried on and kind of, adapted a little bit and changed up a few little things, but it was his idea, his vision. And uh, so we started doing that with him and then just kind of branched off on our own, thankful to him. If it wasn't for him, we would have never been able to do it. Um, learned everything I know from him and his crew. And uh, just, I don't know, if it wasn't for that, right place, wrong time, however you want to word it. Long story short, I, uh, my dad had a place in Florida and the guy that used to live in front of my dad 
um, took care of his place. My dad took care of him. They, they were just great neighbors to each other. And when I went to go move my dad's stuff out of his house in Florida, because my dad had broke his foot, I took the guys a bottle of whiskey and a couple cases of beer and just told him, thank you. And he said, well, I can't drink this alone. But, well, I know somebody likes whiskey. So <laughs> I had a couple glasses of whiskey with him. And then uh, he told me about Marco looking for somebody that wanted to, he needed somebody to run a unit. So that's how it all started. And uh, from there, he just uh, snowballed into what we have going on now, which is uh, a lot. Yeah, multiple units, five sea lions, two males, a, a new compound being built out in uh, in South Texas. Yep. What, um, you know, in fact, when we're looking at the future of the industry, I, let's touch on this for a minute. Other than fairs, you know, state and county fairs, do you guys do performances for uh, otherwise, like for corporate events or anything like that? We do. We do some corporate events. We've even done birthday parties, um, mostly corporate events or uh, smaller festivals other than fairs and festivals. I guess that falls back into the fairs and festivals. But we've right. done some corporate events and then uh, some private events, um, all kinds of things. Robert, yeah. you name it, we've done it, you know? Wow. You've got some other events that you could do beyond fairs and festivals, but what do you think the future for fairs, and by future I mean like the next 18 to 36 months, what do you think some of the challenges are that we're going to face as entertainers in this industry? Ooh, I think that's going to be the that next 18 to 36 months is going to be the, I don't know, the straw that breaks the camel's back or because if they limit their attendance, I don't know how these fairs are going to stay profitable enough to stay in business. Some of them are, you know, on a year to year basis. They don't have, they're not sitting on a huge bank account. It's just uh, a year to year basis where if they don't make money this year, they're kind of looking what they're going to be able to do for next year. If they didn't make a profit this year, if the weather got them and now COVID and it's just been a, uh, it's going to create a whole different set of challenges for fair managers. And I don't know what some of them are going to do. I know some of their financial situations are not as good as some of the other ones and they don't get the funding as far as that part goes. I feel for them as well as us. And you know, I want to get out there and get back to work too. Yeah. I'm, I'm desperate to get back out on the road and, and I've, when it finally happens, I will never be so happy to climb into that silly fortune machine and give out goofy fortune cards I know for me, we've already been in touch with a couple of our fairs that canceled this year that we're asking, you know, are you still going to be in business next year? <clears throat> and if so, what can you do to make Conjure COVID safe? Well, we've already talked about some plans and, you know, the fairs, a couple of fairs bounced some ideas off with us about, you know, could you do this? It looks really different than what Conjure should look like, but you know, my attitude is I don't like the route the conjure is going to go in the next year or so to be COVID safe, you know, for the next year and a half or two years. But if that's what keeps me in business, I'm going to do it. I can always adjust back, you know? Right. Exactly. That's where we're at too. Same thing. How do you guys like, because this is even one of the questions that, that I had, you know, with conjure, because people kind of, you've seen it, people gather around and, and they're close in close proximity. How do you handle that with your show with bleachers? I mean, do you just have every other seat open? I mean, how does that, how would that work even? In some of the events we've done this year, they've done that. They were, they've done every other seat or they've done no restrictions at all, or they did no bleachers where there's just standing room or even in one event, they made little uh, like bicycle rack, what I call bicycle rack fencing. I don't know what it's technically called okay. um, with little slots, little crowd barriers. And they made little, uh, boots with them so and they would only allow up to six people on that booth and then there was a one next to it it was so it was like box seating used to be in stadiums it was 
exactly like box seating, except they were standing, no seats. Um, so it was a little awkward, but it it worked. Give the events credit for trying on that. I mean, you get to the point where it, it, that's where I'm at. For some of the options that have been thrown out at me for Conjure, I'm like, I'll, yes, I'm going to say yes. We're going to figure out. It might not look great. It might not look the way it's designed. But if that's what gets us moving again, this industry is in is in really dire shape, like you say, with affairs. But I was even thinking more along the lines of the entertainers from the beginning. I have said, you know, the the acts that are in the best position to survive this are honestly, no offense to you, are the acts that look like Kevin and Kristen or the acts that look like Conjure or the acts that are a juggler because the props are paid for and they go in a closet or they go in storage. I think the right. acts in the most danger look like you. They look like Rosaire's racing pigs. They, you got animals and you got overhead that doesn't change. And that's, right. I mean, has your, I know you just moved. When you were in California, was there any sort of financial support coming your way as a small business or now in Texas, is there? I got that PPP loan, which uh, wasn't very much. Burned through that pretty darn quick. Yep. And started driving during that, when we got that PPP loan. Um, before that was gone, I started driving and just, uh, again, keep some revenue coming in. And uh, But that was it. I mean, uh, it didn't get any other real help. I, I wish I would have. No volunteers showed up at the door. You know, nobody offered me a free pallet of fish. Yeah. Nothing like that. I wish, I wish there would have been some volunteers at the door and somebody volunteering to give yeah. you a pal. Nice. But uh, no, that just doesn't happen in the real world as much as people like to say, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll help you. We'll do whatever we can. And you know, everybody was in a pinch this year. So I don't know. It made, just made everything more difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely been difficult. What's the hardest part do you think this of this year for you? Oh, just, uh, investing so much in the other unit to start this year and then uh literally working three days and shutting it down mm. so that was a huge uh investment those trailers cost me a fortune and that's making them myself um, there's just a huge investment in doing it the staging the pools the filtration the plumbing everything inside is all marine grade stainless steel it's just not cheap stuff in there right. and uh so the, and there's a living quarters in there, plus buying a new tractor, you know, and all that stuff and getting a whole new family trained, literally spent, I don't know, two months with them at the house, helping them, getting them trained, learning how to work the animals, learning how to, you know, take care of them and just the general animal husbandry. And then all that's down the drain after only three days. Yeah. Now what happens with that second unit? I mean, what are they still training with you or have they moved on to go do other things? they've moved on to do other things. Um, so we're, that's exactly where I'm at. Now I have to train, uh, my oldest son is coming with me next year, um, to take the other unit. And so that's been a huge thing and, uh, just, uh, amazing saving for on my end, as far as having my son back in here, somebody that actually cares and, uh, somebody you can trust and somebody will do the right thing always, you know, one of those types of deals It's just huge peace of mind to be able to get him back on the road with us. And that was a tough call. He's driving a monster truck for a living. Yeah. Come work some sea lions. You know, come back on the road with me. Quit <laughs> living like a rock star. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there struggling right now. A lot of performers, they're faced with, um, you know, the stress of losing everything, even depression, substance abuse. What advice do you have for people that are out there that are really struggling right now? Ooh. That's a tough one, Robert. Jeez. I know. I, I'm not going easy on you today, Jimmy. Yeah. No. Advice would I give? Come volunteer for Jimmy. 
<laughs> we'll get you some Z-Line lovin's. Um, ooh, I don't know if I have a good answer for that, Robert, as far as advice for that. Um, it's, that's a tough one because as, as you know, and all my friends know, I like to have a whiskey and I like to have a good time and have a good barbecue. And we haven't been able to afford that this year. So it's, uh, I wouldn't say I've gone to depression about it or anything like that, but I like to hang out with friends and barbecue. And that's the friends that we, I've had in this business that we all get along and we can all get together and cook out or go out to a restaurant. And we haven't been able to do all that. So it has created those different oh, obstacles, I guess you could say. But I don't know if I have any advice for anybody other than, hey, give me a call. I'll talk to you, you know? And, uh, you know, that might be the, some of the best advice. I, I know that the thing that meant the most to me earlier this year, I want to say it was sometime in mid to late April, Courtney Conkle, you know who she is from the Wyoming yeah. State Fair? Yeah. She messaged me on Facebook out of nowhere. And, and Courtney and I are acquaintances. We're friendly at conventions. You know, we don't hang out. It's just, you know, we haven't worked together at a fair. But, you know, she thought to reach out to me and say, hey, I just want to check in on you. It's easy for us to, as fairs to we're focusing on our fares and the concessionaires are focusing on making sure, you know, Nike is looking out for them, but then what about our entertainers? Do they get lost in the mix? And so she reached out to check on us and that I didn't realize it at the time, how important that was to me sure, to that feel that there was some level of connection. So if you're out there and you're feeling a little bummed, I mean, send Jimmy a message, be like, yo, what do I do? Talk all night long, whatever you need. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. Uh, we can talk about anything, but yeah, that's really cool. That's uh, I've worked with Courtney in California before, before her last year in California there, uh, before she went to Wyoming. And that's really cool. I haven't had any of that. I haven't, I've had some people call and want me to do something for them. That type of deal. You mean uh, like calling and saying, Hey, can you be on the podcast? <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> no, but we've had, uh, you know, uh, fairs that want you to do something, even though they couldn't hold a fair or we've had, fairs that want you to adjust something for next year. We've had those type of calls, but I haven't had anybody just doing a wellness check on me. That'd yeah. have been kind of, that'd have been kind of nice. That's props to you, Courtney. That was awesome. Yeah. So note to uh fair managers. We know you're all slammed and very stressed out there, but we've got a bunch of entertainers that love you guys and <laughs> shoot us a <laughs> message. <laughs> make sure we're still doing okay. Yeah. So make sure you're in business. Sure you're yeah. In make sure you're still in business. Oh. And yeah, let me tell you what crushed me recently i um when we started getting the the podcast going it was probably the second week of the podcast and i sent out an email to my email list that i've refined over the years like i've got fair managers marketing directors entertain like i know who's on that list and i sent the email out that said hey we've got this not selling anything we're not going to try and pitch you on anything but we've got this great podcast telling our 2020 story we'd love it if you'd listen here's the link basically was the email we had like 15 emails bounce back as undeliverable. Wow. Hard bounces and soft bounces. So some that were, you know, the system was their email was just temporarily deactivated. So I'm guessing they're, they're temporarily furloughed, but the hard bounces, those people are gone. Like no, no job. And that was like, Ooh, man, that, that right. hit, that hit differently because, right. you know, we always think about the people we contact or, you know, we, entertainment directors or, the fair manager themselves. But then when you think the marketing director is gone, the entertainment director, it's, you know, there's always some turnover at fairs, you know, some, it's just the way it is in organizations. The lower on the totem pole you are, the more likely you are to be furloughed or let go completely. And 
but you don't think a marketing director is going to be gone or an entertainment director. And we're not talking at little county fair where it was a volunteer. We're talking huge fairs, entertainment director gone. I actually closed down. That was a huge event for me every year. Um, really, really popular attended event. Um, and everybody there lost their jobs. I'm still really good friends with the marketing directors there and the, the manager of the indoor amusement park there. And that was in Cleveland, Ohio. And we've done that event for, I don't know, five or six years, maybe seven years straight. Um, just really look forward to getting there every year. And they've completely ceased all operations, shutting down the building, done. Yep. Unbelievable. That, that was a, another kick in the gut. You know, just not only for me, for them, that we've become friends with all these people. Yep. It was a, and, you know, we look at it from our side as entertainers, but think about an event like IX, which I'd never been to. I talked to Kevin and Kristen about it several times. I know they'd been up there in Cleveland. You think about the concession operators. You think about the people that are filling up sodas, the people that are custodians, all those smaller kind of hourly jobs. Those are all jobs that are gone. Those were jobs that were paying for rent, that were paying for food, that were paying for cell phone bills, that all gone. Right. Unbelievable. It's uh, and that's quite an operation. It wasn't, it's it, even though it's indoors, I think it's, I want to say a place is 2.2 million square feet. Wow. I'm, I'm an unobstructed square feet. There's way more than that. That's unobstructed. So it's a full blown carnival, a full blown fair inside there with entertainment. And they'd bring in big names as well. And uh, us and some petting zoos and Kevin and Kristen were there last year. And uh, Robert, Roberto the Magnificent was there um build a boat i mean lots of entertainers and some of them they'd rotate in and out they'd come in for a week um some of the rosaires have been there with their lions and tigers and that type of stuff and they were there way before me yeah man roberto roberto's a great act isn't he he is <laughs> I mean, about I, the first time that i met him was when it was my first major fair for the industry it was P, it was puyallup fair back then before it became the washington state fair and we were down on the Fountain Plaza stage. And I didn't realize that at Puyallup, a lot of the performers that have been there have been there for like decades. And so we're sharing the stage together, alternating show times. And people would come. And Rob was solo by then. I guess they were previously the gentleman jugglers, he and his right. old partner. And I'd never seen the act, but people would come up to me and they'd be like, hey, so what happened to uh, Roberto's partner? And I'm like, deer in the headlights. I'm, I just tell him, I'm so, you know, I'm not sure you, this is my first year here. Why don't you ask him? And then he'd show up to do his, Hey, Roberto, what happened to your part? He was here last year. What happened to him? Well, he told me backstage that it had been like four years since they'd worked together, but people were still coming up going, what happened? Oh. And so he would make stuff up going, Oh, you know, he joined the Peace Corps and he, he went to Somalia to, to deworm little children and at the orphanage, like these elaborate things. And people would be like, funny, I can yeah. see Rob's story in right now in my head. <laughs> yes. And people were like, man, that good for him. What a good thing. He must have had a real spiritual calling. And he'd be like, oh, yeah. And he's thinking about he's going to become a monk next or so like he just these stories that would right off the tongue without even thinking about it. And I'm like. Well, he's right. Yeah, he's good. Roberto's fantastic. Like, I think yeah. that's probably when Roberto's at his funniest is not even when he's on stage is when he's just Roberto. Just oh, go, go have a out with him. Go have a beer with him. He'll have you laughing the whole time. Yeah, for sure. So what do you yeah. think? What do you think some of the silver linings are for this year? Ooh, that's a. Well, that's a, another tough one. I, I don't know if there is. 
silver linings. Jeez. Uh, Come on, have some positive here, Jimmy. There's got to yeah. be some silver lining. I always try to be positive. I honestly do. I'd say the silver lining is maybe being able to adapt and then also having the time as much as I didn't want to have the time to spend at home and with the kids and with the family where typically I'm on the move. I'm just, I mean, I have a beautiful fifth wheel trailer that I'm never in. I sleep in there and I take a shower in there. I usually don't even eat in there. You know, I'm out and out with the animals. I'm out with the public. I'm doing, you know, that type of stuff. And uh, so this has been a, that I would say would be the silver lining is I've actually had time to spend with the kids and spend with the animals and spend more time just uh, doing that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think my silver lining is the ankle that I've had problems with for the better part of um, 10 years. I finally got to have surgery on because I had the time. <laughs> got it so fixed we, up. We repaired the, uh, we repaired that ankle and we're now, you know, four to six weeks here, I think from being a hundred percent on it. So no. I'll, I'll take that time. Listen, yeah. I, I appreciate you being on the show before we go today. Uh, everyone who goes on the show, does a speed round of questions. So I've I've asked you some doozies. I've asked you some doozies. Now I'm going to ask you some that are going to shatter your mind. Are you ready? Yeah, you may. As my dad would say, I get colorful. Here we go. All right, go. Corn dogs or a turkey leg? Corn dog. What's the favorite concert you've ever attended? Ooh, 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 ooh. Ah, geez, Louise. I have to pick one. Ah, probably Madonna as, as much as that's my first concert back in, way back. If I opened your music app on your phone right now, which song would it say has played the most? Oh, definitely a reggae song for sure. Um, probably something by Revolution. Who was your first celebrity crush? Ooh, I don't know. My, my first one, my last one, Sofia Vergara. <laughs> when you travel, what's one item you absolutely have to have with you? Oh, flossers. Flo- you mean the little the little flossers that floss your teeth? Yeah. The little teeth bit? Oh, nice. Was not expecting that one. Uh, last question. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Star Wars. Good man. Jimmy, affairs want to reach out and get a hold of you. Where can they find you? Uh, sealionsplash.org, um, well, messenger, James Earhart, or my phone number is 941-928-7587 out there on the podcast. Wow, he, needs- put, he put it out there on the uh, podcast that goes international. So you're going to listen, there are going to be a lot of people who were the, you know, the niece of a rich prince in, in Egypt or something that just died. <laughs> yeah. I'll send a on the next podcast. Right. Jimmy, you're a good man. You're a good friend. Uh, You got a hell of a show with these sea lions. Sarah, Nate, and I wish you the best. Have a Merry Christmas to all of you. Thanks for being on the show. Same to you guys. Merry Christmas. Tell Sarah and Nate Dog. I say hello and uh, hope to see you guys soon. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.